The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. TNT. Sonia Poulton and today's News Talk, TNT. Welcome back to today's News Talk. I am Sonia Poulton and I am standing in today for the irreplaceable Abby Roberts, who is unfortunately sick today. So get well soon, Abby. Our thoughts are with you. I Phenomenal guest, really interesting. Many, many comments. Let me turn to some of the comments that are, that are going on here. Lisa said, I think this is in regard to Dr. John Barry, of course, who was talking about the disparities that are taking place in regards to men, in terms of life expectancy, in terms of issues with psychology, with seeking help, both for physical and mental issues. And Lisa said some of it's to do with the fact that women are everywhere. Men think different to women and they like to be with each other. <clears throat> and women everywhere, they have to watch what they say, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. And uh, man shed, says Lisa. Um, and uh, using all the buzzwords as excuses, says Holly, COVID lockdown, shielding, long COVID, blah, blah. They are hollow shells. What do you mean they are hollow shells, Holly? What do you mean? Um, uh, what's this? And Shug says, I've seen them trudge to local shops, still in their boxer shorts. No one cares at all now. Idiocracy was a prophetic documentary. We're living it now. And Mike says, call Lifeline if you are feeling suicidal. Absolutely. The most important thing if you're feeling suicidal, I think, is to reach out for help. And uh, I've talked to people who have dealt with the effects of suicide, of, of losing loved ones, of, of both uh, attempting suicide and actual people dealing with the repercussions of a successful suicide. And it's it, it horrendous, sends ripples throughout the entire family. Loved ones are damaged for ever, especially if it's children with parents, parents losing children. It's not supposed to happen. It's not the ordinary way of things, is it? Um, and uh, Martin says, why does society find overt and oppressive masculinity acceptable when it's couched in the guise of trans women? Good question. Great guest, says Brett Atkinson. Uh, pray, prayer changes things, says Mike. Um, and um, let's see what we've got here. I've seen, oh, I've just read that one. And uh, lockdowns, yes, drumstick says, John, lockdowns did immense damage. Yes, John agreed with that. Dr. John Barry said lockdowns did indeed do immense damage. No doubt about it. And uh, But they're all thanking him here. And uh, oh, basically, oh, what's this? Let's see. They walk around. There's a, a, you know, what I love about these sort of conversations is that there's there's an inner world, isn't there, that goes on in live chat where all the commentators are not only commenting about what's on the screen, but they're also having their own conversation with each other. Sometimes best not to get involved because you can get completely lost, right? Um, falls into, what's this, Mazzy? Falls into the parasite's hands where they've said lazy, unwashed, no motivations, but it's not the fault of the individuals or persons affected. It's all on the government and behavioral insights team causing this detrimental harm. Well, exactly. We know what the behavioral insights team did who were attached to the cabinet office, still are actually, using our money to scare us all witless. Um, vibration levels are through the floor. What Now, Mogden, we have to bring up 
our vibration, right? We, we talk about this often. I, Gemma and I have discussed this and I'm delighted to know that she will be joining me shortly again. Fantastic. Very much enjoy conversations with Gemma. Um, and uh, But vibration levels are so absolutely vital, not just to combat what's been thrown at us, but for ourselves, because I do believe in individuality. I believe that we all come here. I, I personally believe that there are, there are purposes to our life. Not everybody believes that, but that's my personal uh, philosophy on life. I definitely feel that much of what I do is a consequence of a calling rather than a career. I feel a sense of destiny about what I do. And so I think it is absolutely vital to keep up our vibration lessons, uh, our vibration levels, but also to remind ourselves of who we uniquely are. What is it that we bring to the world that sets us apart from others? Because believe me, there is something. Tell me in the comments, what sets you apart? And uh, hug, shug, I can't believe how quick this show goes. Oh, you're glad you got me for longer. Well, I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. Um, Siv, uh, I, I'm not sure if we've got time for calls. I would love us to be able to take calls. So please call in. And if, we, if we've if we got time for calls, I will absolutely take them. Um, and uh, James Henry House says, governments and the legacy media caused the problems in the first place. Why would we expect these same agencies to address the problems? This, I think, is in regard to the football index scandal. Absolutely. Well, the problem, you know, this is the thing, isn't it? It's like teachers marking their home own homework. It's like, you know, the police having to investigate the police. And uh, these things are problematic, obviously. Um, what else? Oh, uh, now do not start petitioning for a two hour show for me just yet, people, please. Um, I, I'm here and, uh, and absolutely happy to be standing in for Abby, but uh, can't wait to see her back. Skullduggery going on in everything these days, says Kath. I hear you. Gara said it's complex, but the product was licensed correctly and customers were sucked in and duped by the company. Ruined people's lives. Right. And that needs to be addressed. We will be back very shortly with Gemma Cooper. Do not go away. Russia. Gas prices. COVID mandates. It just doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything about it. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Welcome back to today's News Talk, and I am delighted to be joined in the second hour by Gemma Cooper. Thank you for coming back, Gemma. What are we going to be talking about in this second hour? Well, it's lovely to be back, actually. You know, it just feels like five minutes ago that you and I were talking. And they do say <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. And uh, the, the quickening has been a phrase that's been banded around for the last 10, 15 years um, about, you know, we're talking about vibration. And that is a thing. And it, it shows, you know, when you're in the right space because time speeds up and you enjoy yourself. Yes. You, you literally raise your vibration and, and time flies. Whatever you're doing, if you enjoy it, time flies. And then conversely, I remember when I was still in the BBC and I was realizing that my time there was pretty much limited. And I used to look, and this is before the scandemic, I used to look at the clock on the wall uh, when I was in the office. And I literally thought that the hands were going backwards you know, that's how it felt. It felt like, oh God, how a second was eternity. And that was a very clear indication that my higher self, you know, the bigger part of me was telling me this is, this is not a vibrational match anymore. You need to, you need to get out. And then the universe kicked me out of that old life anyway, which I'm very grateful for. But yeah, you could listen to yourself, you know, you know, when you're in the right place, it's, it's, it's fun and exciting and fast. 
And you know, when you're in the wrong place, it's slow and it's sluggish and it feels awful. So listen to your body. It's a very wise instrument. It never lies, never lies. But I must kudos to you for your guest in the last hour, Dr. John Barry. It was a fascinating conversation. I know it's generated a lot in the chat and you you were just talking about there, you know, the, the levels of mental health that men are experiencing, the low levels of mental health and you touched on suicide. And I must say that this is an issue now that we're seeing more and more in the headlines. And then there's a massive headline out today about a guy called Dr. Death in Dublin, who's helping people kill themselves in a very controversial way. But it's not the only headline we've seen about suicide in the last month. Uh, we've seen loads. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of the, the, the famous TV presenter, Esther Ranson in the UK, who has got stage four lung cancer. She was an extremely famous television presenter in the, in the 1970s and 80s. She's a pensioner now. She's old. She's got stage four lung cancer. She's been all over the press calling for a change in the law for assisted dying. She says she doesn't want to put her family through seeing her die horribly of lung cancer. She wants to go to Dignitas. She's a huge public figure in the UK. And at the weekend, we had this story story about a 47-year-old teacher with no diagnosed illness, told his friends and family he was off to visit a friend in Paris, actually checked himself into a clinic in Switzerland called Pegasus and, and, and where he was given a lethal injection completely legally. He just wanted to kill himself. He wasn't, he wasn't diagnosed, as we know, with any illness. He wanted to commit suicide. And this morning here in the UK, we have these headlines about Dr. Death in Dublin and the global suicide trade, which is growing growing hugely and um, people from all over the world are traveling to this doctor deaths clinic in dublin in ireland where he runs workshops explaining how people can get hold of these diy suicide kits he doesn't give them the kits himself because that would be illegal but he shows them where they can buy them if they so choose and that's he says that's just on the right side of the law it's then in the hands of the individual to decide if that's the kind of course of action that they want to take he then uh, he uh, gave a demonstration to the news crew that uh, and the news crew were there he gave a demonstration to the assembled people who'd all traveled from all over the world to find out about these kits he asked the camera crew to stop filming um but he says that once these people have purchased these DIY suicide kits and they have them in their cupboards, uh, if they're ill and they're going to get sicker, it gives them a feeling of comfort that they are in control of their dest and, and destiny and that they, they can take their own lives literally into their own hands. He says that the suicide, rights, suicide rates globally have gone up. Well, listening to Dr. John Barry talking about the plight of, of mental health amongst men since 2020 and the effects of lockdowns, are we surprised at that? But of course, the, the, the ethics and the morals of these of these stories and these the issues that it raises. And we were talking about before, you know, the doomsday clock and the global climate of fear. Is it surprising suicide rates have gone up? People want to check out uh, whether they should be allowed to check out of their own volition. Uh, or go to suicide clinics not telling anybody, even though they don't seem to be sick. This is a huge uh, ethical, moral, and you could argue spiritual um, debate that needs to happen because suicide was considered self-murder by the church. And it is a form, if you go to the esoteric argument, the argument is that the ego uh, doesn't decide when you die. It is the moment for your soul to decide. Now that's getting into very deep waters, but as we say, it's hump day and I, I get a bit metaphysical on hump day. But these suicide stories are becoming more and more prevalent, Sonia. So we have to ask the question, are they becoming more prevalent because it's a global trend and the news is reflecting it? Or are they becoming more prevalent because that we're being steered into a course of behavior? 
But if you don't like it, you can kill yourself. There we go. You know, which is a very, very precarious position for, for the human race to be in. Certainly is. Do you know, I'm very torn about the issue of assisted dying, Gemma, because on the one hand, were I to get into, you know, an awful car crash and rendered uh, incapable, you know, sort of physically and mentally, do I really want to continue existing in this body? That That is a question. But also there is the other side, isn't it, which we have to consider. And that is this can be a slippery slope. You know, will it then be used for, you know, people who have been horribly termed in the past as useless eaters, people who they feel are not able to contribute to society in any way? Will it be used by governments? Oh, well, actually, you're not making a contribution. You're far too costly for us to keep. So seeing as we now have this in our in law, we should just be using this. So it does really trouble me. And you use that expression, global suicide trade. Like Gemma, that's that literally made me shiver to hear you say that. that but that is where we are, right? And you're absolutely right about Esther Ranson. She has been given incredible prominence to be able to talk about. And she's not even completely decided, is she? She's like weighing up the pros and cons in public life. And her daughter has been wheeled out to talk about it. And of course, this is incredibly emotive. I saw that story at the weekend um, of the man who decided that he wanted to die, even though he wasn't sick. And that did really concern me because you have to wonder, as you've, you've talked about, why are these stories getting so much prominence? Is it because we need to be, is, is this an international, national conversation we need to be having? Or is there an agenda behind it? What, what are your thoughts? And it's fine to be philosophical. It is hump day. But, you know, the fact is you're clearly a deep thinker. I have no idea how you managed to last at BBC. Seriously, Gemma, that must have been so frustrating for you, like kicking at those walls to just kind of create some space around your thoughts. Far too much of a thinker for the BBC. But seriously, do you think there is an agenda going on here, Gemma? Well, it's a question I've asked myself, seeing that seeing this headline today about Dr. Death and his clinic in Dublin and seeing it, I was thinking this is the third major headline that I have seen about suicide and assisted dying um, in, in as many weeks, in three weeks, you know. And it, 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 it is a conversation that clearly is either being we're being made to have or we're already having and the headlines are reflecting that. I don't know which one it is. And I understand where you're coming from, Sonia. You, you think to yourself, goodness me, should the worst case happen and I and I find myself in, in, incapacitated or in a, in, a, in, a, in a vegetative state or, or things like that, what would I do? But I think the human survival instinct is incredibly strong. And you think that you would maybe go down one road, uh, but actually when it comes to it, do you really want to check out? I don't know. I'm not casting any kind of opinion on this story, except to say I'm seeing more and more headlines about assisted dying um, and they're becoming more prevalent and they're becoming more widespread. And it, that that indicates to me we, we are being steered into some sort of acceptance that this is now part of of our culture. But interestingly, just in December, a 57-year-old Canadian man called uh, Kenneth Law, you might have seen those headlines, he was charged with second-degree murder for supplying these suicide kits to people around the world. He's charged with 14 counts of second-degree murder for posting these kits out from Canada. And he's linked to more than 90 deaths here in the UK uh, for people that allegedly received these kits from him. So it is a, a huge, it's a huge trade 
um, but it's hugely dangerous for all involved, you know, because it's a to take a, to help somebody take their own life. They might not be thinking straight at the time. We all go through low periods, don't we, where we think, "Oh my goodness me, I just feel so awful." You know, but divorce can floor you, bereavement yes. can floor you, redundancy can floor you. It can leave you very low. But as human beings, we're hardwired to bounce back from trauma. We are, we are, we're very resilient creatures if we are given the right help and support, as Dr. John Barry was talking about in, in the last hour. Of of course, society's not given up, given uh, sort of steering us to help and support. It wants us to be depressed. And it seems, looking at these headlines, it wants to encourage us to take our own lives. And that that's where we get into the ethical, moral and spiritual element of taking your own life. And, and what if you believe that there is life after life, the implications for that as well. Uh, indeed. Kath says, I'm furious that Dr. Deaths are allowed to operate their awful trade, especially when people like myself are fighting hard on a daily basis, trying to convince loved ones that bad times don't last forever and life will become worth living again one day. And that is the thing, isn't it? They, what is it they say? Don't don't take a permanent measure for a temporary condition. And uh, Skippy says, George Bernard Shaw wanted death panels. Each person would have had to justify their existence. Look, Gemma, thank you so much for coming, joining me again for the second our great philosophical conversation, a very, very important one. I will see you tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, this, of course, is Gemma Cooper. This is today's News Talk, and I will be back shortly. TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Hamza Dahoud was the eldest son of the Gaza Bureau for Al Jazeera, while Dahoud, who previously lost other family members in Israeli bombing raid, and we would say that this is probably in terms of conflicts uh, this many journalists have been lost uh killed injured in the whole of the second world war and that lasted uh, a number of years and only in the last three months are we scraping a hundred on the uh, journalist uh, fatality list which is coming fast and furious out of gaza patrick henningsen on today's news talk tnt the Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk This is the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome back to today's News Talk. It is Wednesday. It is hump day, as Gemma reminded us. God, I really do enjoy talking with her. I am delighted to be joined by two guests, uh, Katie Jo Murphy and Sadie Single. They are from Hope Sussex. Now, this is a fantastic initiative are the founders of the Hope Sussex community. It's a flourishing, autonomous, autonomous rather, community of like-minded people who all wish to be free from the bonds of state control. Ah, oh, I'm already feeling more free even just saying that. 
The community <laughs> offers many things, including wide-ranging educational topics for children and young people of all ages. Subjects include English, math, science, holistic studies, and foraging. My daughter went foraging when she was little at uh, forest school. These things are vital. Now, this is real learning, right? It's widely regarded as one of the great success stories to have grown out of the chaos and instability of the last three years. Welcome to you both, Katie Jo Murfin and Sadie Single. I'm so thrilled to have you with me today. How are you both? Very well, Sonia. Yeah. Thank you very much for having us on the show. Morning, Sadie. Morning. <laughs> Hello, Absol everyone. Absolute pleasure. Hello. Thank you both for being here. Now, I don't know a great deal about Hope Sussex, but it sounds right up my street because obviously you get involved in homeschooling. One of the things I did, I, I gave my daughter, I only have one child, but I gave my daughter throughout her entire life the opportunity to be homeschooled. Like literally, I said to her on a regular basis, she, we registered her into a very, very good primary school in the Cotswolds, which was where I grew up. And so we moved back from London to the Cotswolds and we registered her at school but I always reminded her throughout you can leave school at any time and at the end of her primary school she actually did for a period of about two and a half three years and then when she was about 13 she decided that she wanted to go back in school because she missed the classroom environment but I still believe that that breaking was so vital because it broke her away from the indoctrination and that really is so much of what you're offering so please tell me katie joe tell me about hope sussex how did you get involved in it <laughs> absolutely sonia um you've hit the nail on the head there i think a lot of um children when they're home ed they can feel quite isolated sometimes and that was my experience with my eldest when i took her out of secondary school in her, in year seven that was my first experience of home ed. And, um, you know, I, I didn't click with any groups. I didn't, we didn't really have many sort of uh, friends and we didn't have a community. So um, when uh, the pandemic happened and um, the madness <laughs> kicked off, I, I kind of made it my mission to create community. That's what I felt I had to do. That was my mission. So, um, yeah, so that's what I started doing. And then luckily met Sadie and Matt and some incredible, incredible people. And what Hope was born. So we, we, we started Hope myself and Sadie, yeah. Wonderful. Sadie, was there a sense of relief for you to, I mean, because it was such a, an isolated time, wasn't it? But did you feel a sense of relief at meeting such like-minded people? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it didn't take us long to work out what was going on when it all called the madness kicked off and we were going on protests in London. I was actually a primary school teacher at the time and um, in a nearby school to where I live. My children were there. I was very much part of the school community. But actually, you know, everybody just bought it hook, line and sinker. And I just couldn't be part of the craziness in school. And I had children with their hands bleeding from using hand sanitizer and the the, the the things that we were being told. And I was a governor at the school as well. And, uh, you know, being told that, you know, we it was, it was one class down the corridor at a time and, and then the masks came in and I was like, I'm absolutely not, you know, I'm not doing this. So I did it for a very short period. And then I, we had a conversation, my husband and I, and we said, we need to, we need to take the children out. We can't do this. This isn't going to work. 
And so, um, you know, some some stuff happened with school and I ended up leaving and we took the children out and it was the absolute best decision we ever made. That stress mm. of being in that environment completely melted away. I met Katie Joe on the beach in lockdown with a really lovely group of other like-minded people. It was fantastic. It was like, yes, these are our people. We found, we found our tribe. And literally from there, we just... Mm. We clicked and I was started to do some teaching um, in, you know, at my home, you know, during full on lockdown. I was having children, you know, dropped off and I was running, you know, I ran some some classes with lots and lots of different children. And it was so fabulous. But again, it was that people driving around, dropping off and we needed a space. And it was Katie Joe who really took the initiative, found somewhere amazing and we were really lucky enough to have we've you know we're really lucky enough to have the most amazing site that is perfect for us yeah see, so see just, this is amazing everything you're saying is high vibrational i mean i literally can feel it through the screen and that is that is the impact it has on you because you and i both well we all know that the school environment can can really be very low aspirational low vibrational it's all about follow without question because obviously the it, the the the, uh, the whole idea about the school curriculum is certainly in England. It's still based on, on an old model of stocking people ready for the factories. It's not about creating conscious individuals. Tell us about the place that you found, Katie Jo. Yeah, well, funnily enough, it used to be um, a site for an agricultural college. So luckily, there were already already some buildings there, uh, but they they needed a lot of work. And we've had some incredible work weekends where many, many volunteers have come and given their time. Um, and we are unbelievably grateful to them all. So we have a lovely site with um, rooms that we've got set up so you can have indoor classes such as your maths and your English. You do need to sit at a table for those. Um, but then equally, we have the most beautiful outside space. So we have a fantastic allotment. We've got a great gardening community. Uh, so we're growing our own vegetables. We've got fruit trees that we've been planting. And we also have a barn where Matt does fantastic practical skills, uh, brilliant science experiments um, with his with his uh, crazy uh, mad science. Uh, and we yeah, we have a fantastic community um, hub where the children learn cooking with Sadie, uh, bread making with Michelle. And it's yeah, we, we're truly blessed with what we've got. And we luckily we have Never. fields as well. So we have fantastic events and all these events um, just help us to continue to, to grow um, and uh, provide better and better facilities every year. I, I absolutely love it. Of course, the, the problem about also stepping out of conventional society is it makes some people very angry. Right. Because not only are you highlighting. So, for example, during the covid period, there were organizations which which sprung up who were outraged that their children weren't in school. And I was really torn about that in part because it's like, well, actually, they might be doing better not to be in school in the first place. And but I do understand, obviously, our society is geared up in such a way that some people have no alternative but to send their children to school because they have to earn a living. So we should yeah. really be addressing that as well. But Sadie, have you experienced any backlash? Because I, I only have to kind of look at you and know a little bit about you to know that you, you're, you, you're not particularly conventional, which is an absolute good thing in my books. But have <laughs> you experienced backlash for stepping out and and, and not going along with the norm 
Absolutely. You know, along with anything, you, you are going to get that. And actually, what it does is it highlights to us that we're doing the right thing. You know, if we weren't a thorn in the side of, of the system and, and creating something alternative and effective, they would just leave us alone. But we have had lots of press. You know, The Guardian, The Times, uh, we've had, um, what else? Oh, the Sun, The Daily Mail. Daily Mail love writing about hope. We are, you know, I think we're, you know, on a slow news day, they'll 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 rerun something that they've run before and it's normally off the back of some photos that have been produced or a lesson that's been run so we've got some we've got the most amazing tutors at hope and one of our tutors who teaches history is will so will who is part of gb Resist resistance gb and he teaches history but he teaches it you know not conventional history he teaches you know history like you know we should really learn about history about questioning it critical thinking skills and he likes to take the children outside and do really practical things with them. So they were looking at bows. So we had some yeah. bows in. Let me smart. hold that thought there with you. Just bear with me. We're going to go quickly to some news headlines, but I'm loving this. Be right back. Today's news talk with these incredible women. And action. The news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Donald Trump is one step closer to retaking the White House after winning New Hampshire's Republican primary in a landslide vote on Tuesday. Canada's top court has ruled the government broke the highest law in the land by invoking a national security law to crack down on protesters during the pandemic. And police have made a startling discovery in the US after finding a severed human head and other body parts stuffed inside a freezer in a New York City apartment. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Welcome back to today's News Talk. I'm joined by two phenomenal women from Hope Sussex, Katie Jo Murphy and Sadie Single. And I was just saying to them in the break that what they're saying is right up my street. I mean, it just so much is. So you you were saying, Sadie, about how the media love you. And of course, we say that with our tongue firmly in our cheek. And uh, But you know what? That's kind of, in a way, isn't that confirmation that you're doing something right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, at the end of the day, anybody who knows Hope, anybody who's who's been to Hope or, you know, or knows anybody who's been there, who's come away and just had lovely, positive things to say, everybody knows it's nonsense. But actually what they're doing, what they're doing is, you know, they're, they are getting us out there in the mainstream. They're, they're putting that alternative across of schools. And this is remember, you know, a lot of people understand you know the school system they know what it's there for they do know i think most people kind of know that you know it's there it's 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 child care so people can go to work and it is you know it's about getting everybody to the same level isn't it it's about you know putting all these kids in a system so they all kind of come out pretty much the same level we know that's not the reality children learn at all sorts of different levels and everybody's kind of you know diverse in how they learn and things the school system doesn't cater for that at all so I think there's a lot of people when they see this, they go, actually, what, teaching children some archery skills and, you know, cooking and foraging and survival skills. 
that sounds really good. I wish I'd gone to a school like that. And one of the things we've noticed is, and we've been at, we've been at Hope, this is our third year now, and if you look at the comment sections in the newspaper, in the mainstream press, how they have changed over the last kind of three years, since the beginning, you know, of, of you know, 2000, sorry, of 2020, and then all the way to where you are now. And it's like, wow, what a difference. People are really totally thinking quite differently about you know, about the government, about all these things that they've been told by the NHS and that people are questioning more. So I think they're starting to think that actually an alternative to education is probably a good thing. And it just shows you, yeah, they, they are scared because, you know, if you think about real change, like a real revolution would begin with taking children out of that system, stopping them from going into that into that sausage factory every day. And absolutely. We are there to try and support families to do that, essentially. And, you know, just as an aside, the lessons at Hope are not expensive. You know, the lessons start at £5 an hour and you can't you can't get, you know, tutoring. Oh, that yeah. You're obviously going to have the billionaire media moguls coming after you because you are going to be messing around with the status quo and the status quo benefits them and their tax dodging mates. And that is the reality, because what you're doing is you're raising children to question our world rather than just accept it blindly, which I absolutely love. Katie Joe, tell us about some of the plans moving forward for Hope Sussex. So uh, last year was our first full year of running events. Um, we were kind of doing it on the wing <laughs> as we were going. We're like, oh, yeah, let's put another one on um, as they were uh, gaining uh, popularity and getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and so this year we're ahead of the game. We've decided, you know, uh, that we're going to be as organised as we possibly can be. So we've we've definitely got another music festival, which will be our third this year. The last two years have been incredible. Our music festivals have been fantastic. Uh, and then moving forwards, we we had Camp Hope last year. So um, that was a whole week of coming to Hope with your family, um, experiencing what it's like to have a week at Hope. We ran lessons with our tutors. We had obviously camping, everyone communal eating. We had a day out at the beach. So we're definitely running that again. And this year we're going to be doing it during the summer holidays so that even if you're at school, if your children are at school, you can come and enjoy Hope for a week. So that's definitely going ahead. We have a health and wellbeing festival, um, loads of comedy nights, which obviously Abby is, is in, uh, in February. We've got Abby. Uh, coming to do our comedy night, which is uh, fantastic. And Richard Vobes is uh, hosting that. So, and we have Hope Talks as well. Hope Talks, so regular talks from uh, from people, many, many different, you know, very diverse, um, different speakers. Uh, we've got Matt Letissier and Danny Rampling coming up. We have Lisa Hutchinson. Um, yeah, loads of people. Neil McRae, it's fantastic. Uh, and you can find out about all of these on our website or on our social media pages. We're on Instagram and Facebook. So we're loving it in the sounds absolutely wonderful they're loving it in the comments let me read you some of these comments peter so says this sounds really great people need to learn how to be more self-sufficient mally says proper life skills without the bullshit and so say all of us and bella 
does lots of hearts and smiley faces at the idea of Hope Sussex community. And Peter says this is certainly raising the vibrations. And uh, Chris says, must share this with my friend who took her two boys out of school during the COVID scam. Her boys are thriving and learning and growing so fast, right? And uh, some parents, Skippy says, some parents treat school as a childminding service, have little interest in what their children are taught. And that's, it is the sad and unfortunate thing is people are put on this hamster wheel where we have to survive. I know some people who are doing two, three jobs to survive and they're racing on that school run. And my heart goes out to them. And I was always incredibly fortunate to a degree. But I do say this, and that is, you know, we weren't, we didn't have a lot of money when our daughter was growing up, but that was never the priority. The priority was to be there for her when she went to school, when she got back, and then obviously when she came out of school. And it was so brilliant because we were able to work it really well that we, we had my office and I'd be working away. And my daughter, I had her studying things like what really happened on 9-11. And yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and because that, because this, this is the real stuff, right? This is the, this is the yeah. real stuff. I mean, m many children have no idea what to do with Pythagoras or any of that sort of stuff. And because that doesn't convert into real life living. So my daughter, Louise said, my daughter loved me homeschooling her and the other kids from our street during lockdown. Our school was called Mistress O'Reilly's School of Education and Correction foraging, sports day, <laughs> knitting, cooking, and, na and nature crafts. And uh, this is a good point. Matt said, I bet they've tried to shut it down. Have you had opposition from authorities? Oh, oh we've had um, a visit from Offset. Yes, we had a visit right, right at the very, very beginning. We had um, Ofsted's unregistered schools team came down the drive uh, telling us that we were running an unregistered school and they'd seen children coming in and being dropped off, which is an absolute lie because you're not allowed to drop your kids off. It's community education. So, you know, it's not, we're not, a, we're not a school. So, um, so they, they wanted to come on site. They wanted to look around, count how many kids we had. We just kept saying, no, there's, you're not allowed to come on. It's private property. You're not allowed, allowed to come on basically. So we didn't let them on. Uh, they went up the drive with their tails between their legs and uh, we've had confirmation, although they do like to say in the mainstream um, that we are currently under investigation. That's an absolute fallacy. We are not. And we have had confirmation from Ofsted to say that we are not under investigation Ooh, at all. We are not sneaky smearing. That sneaky oh, yeah. smearing, uh, nasty stuff. You know, the thing is, we're obviously focused on how this is impacting the children. But I also want to know before before you leave me how this is impacting you, because I suspect that both of you, your well-being has improved as a consequence of this. Sadie, I mean, just tell me the truth. Has it or has it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've lost family because, you know, because of differences of opinion you know, the last three years. So having a community, being able to, I mean, I, we, I know that Katie Jo feels the same way as I, I, we feel incredibly privileged to be in a position where we've been able to bring people together in a community. We both feel like it's something we've meant, we, you know, it's, it's meant to be. And to take my children to a place where they have got so many amazing, beautiful people who we all look out for each other, and we're always constantly welcoming in new people who, you know, who turn up. And and home ed is quite transient. So we have people who join us for a bit and then they go off traveling and then they might come back again. And it's always lovely to see, you know, to get people back. But essentially, we have created a family. Um, and that is amazing. And, you know, that 
you know, money can't buy anything like that. So we are very, very lucky, very lucky. It's hard work. I'm not going to lie. It's hard work. Katie Joe and I put an awful, awful lot of blood, sweat and tears into the community. We work a lot of hours, but, and we, and I just want to say we do it all for, it's everybody at Hope is a volunteer and it isn't just Katie Joe and I. We've got people, you know, cooking lunches and people, you know, doing repairs on the site and other people behind the scenes doing admin but it's all done out of absolute love and the nece- you know, the necessity to have somewhere where people can come. And, you know, if there was another lockdown, we, you know, we, we'd be open. Of course we would. You know, people need to be with people and children especially. And that was the big harm done out of the pandemic was the harm to mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's really why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, but it, that's why we have to run everything. So when you come to Hope, you know, and you buy a coffee or you come and, you know come to a talk it's you know all of that money every single penny of that goes back into keeping hope alive and running so yeah you know if you see a festival that's a bit cheaper than hopes it's because you know we've got to pay artists and security and everything but essentially it's a fundraiser for us to stay open that's why so please come to hope and support an event you know it's it's really essential in fact we've got something else we need to say i'm going to hand over to katie joe if that's all right because we've got a very absolutely absolutely we love it go on go for it katie joe talking about fundraising so luckily a lovely lovely friend of the communities um bella she she lives just down the road from hope uh in near battle and she is raffling her house and Hope has become an affiliate for this raffle. So it means that if you buy a ticket, five pounds a ticket, if you buy a ticket to win this house, and it's uh, a million, uh, yeah, one and a half million pounds, this house, it's incredible. It has its own swimming pool. It's stunning. It's beautiful, right in the middle of battle. Uh, and if you if you, um, if you you enter, then Hope does uh, get some money back. So it's a fantastic fundraiser for us, but it's also a brilliant opportunity to win an incredible dream house so if you'd like to support then please do uh on our social media again you can find the affiliate link and uh five pounds and you could win an incredible house plus um all your stamp duty uh and fees paid and i think you get ten thousand pounds as a moving in fee as well so it's it's a fantastic competition sounds absolutely wonderful what you've done is create a community so what we're what we're expecting is soon we'll get hope swindon hope gloucester hope clinelli and on and on right because why not why absolutely not let us learn to do for ourselves get back to nature get back to learning what children want to learn not have them kind of you know shoehorned into a system that isn't beneficial to them i want to thank both my guests today obviously i'm st- standing in for the lovely abby roberts forgive me i know you i know you love abby and everything but i hope i've been a passable double for this moment but listen thank you so much katie joe murphy and sadie single from hope sussex teaching us what community is all about and what children really need i will be right back on today's news talk do not go anywhere Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week, Dr. Jill Biden, the first lady, gave an interview and she talked about what she believed the Republican Party was doing to her son, Hunter Biden, and to the rest of her family. I think what they are doing to Hunter is cruel. And I'm really proud of um, how Hunter has life uh, after addiction. And um, I think... You know, I'm 
I love my son and it's had, it's hurt my grandchildren. And that's what I'm so concerned about. Now that's ridiculous, of course, because Hunter Biden decided not to honor a subpoena from the Congress and he's facing 17 years in prison on tax charges out in California. Uh, but nonetheless, former GOP chairman Michael Steele ripped his former party. The party of family values doesn't have the compassion to understand the addiction that drove Hunter to behave the way he did. I'm telling you, they got their own children and relatives who have those same issues. Now, take how would you like that to be displayed across the front page of the New York Times or the Washington Post? Newsbusters Mark Finkelstein asked if Steele was threatening Republicans, threatening to reveal stories about other people's children. Sounded that way to me. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. Life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. Prediabetes does. One in three adults has prediabetes. But with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. And you can change the outcome. Take the one-minute prediabetes risk test today. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org. You're with Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome back to today's News Talk. I'm delighted to be joined by David Curtin. I've talked to David many times before. David is the leader of the Heritage Party. Now, for those who know me, I am not a great fan of politicians, but I happen to like David and for one simple reason, and that is David is an honest politician. Do they exist? Yes, they do. Welcome to today's News Talk, David. Absolutely lovely to see you. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Sonia. Good to join you on the show again. Yes, I know. Well, a completely different show, but yes, absolutely. David, I mean, as I say, you're an honest politician. You've been honest about yeah. so much, about the climate change scam, about uh, the, the nonsense to do with gender. And the thing about you, which is so unlike almost the vast majority of politicians, is you're not looking for the populist vote. You don't say things and like, am I saying things in order not to be people, not to be angry with me? You say it because you believe it. And one of the things that we're going to be talking about actually right now is, and I, I, I did refer to it on yesterday's show, and that was the cartoon by a cartoonist and illustrator, Bob Moran. Bob was the first guest on the Sonia Poulton show last week, How Time Flies. And this incredible stink and furore came up around um, the image that he had put out uh, several days ago, which was of Benjamin Netanyahu. And people say it's anti-Semitic, it's blood libel, and there's Joe Biden pouring him blood from a wine bottle. And there's Rishi Sunak, who's kind of haplessly being a waiter. And you can see the arm of a, a dangling arm of a child. And it's horrible. It's it's brutal. It's graphic. But that is obviously the point in many respects of political cartoonists. But tell us your take, David. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sonia. I mean, I think it's just best to tell the truth, you know, and just put out there what you actually believe and what you actually think, because, you know, people are so fed up of bait and switch and people beating around the bush and not saying what they think and then finding out what, um, you know, that they're actually going to do the exact opposite of what they said. But, you know, with this cartoon, I do agree with you. It is brutal. It's horrible. It's jarring. Um, it's not a pleasant thing to look at. I don't particularly like seeing things like that, but it's making a point. 
And that's what it is. It's more than just a piece of entertainment. It's making a very pertinent point that actually what's happening at the moment in Gaza is horrible. It's a massacre. Children are being killed and they're being killed by the nation that calls itself Israel. And they say, you know, people commentate to say, well, Israel has the right to defend itself. And they put out other lines like, oh, Israel is the only country that's not allowed to win a war. But obviously what happened on the 7th of October uh, was horrible. It was horrendous. What It was the fault of Hamas, of course, and, and uh, that that's ter terrible. But then what Israel has done in response is even worse because they've cut off the water supply. They've cut off the electricity. They've basically carpet bombed half of Gaza, uh, destroyed hundreds of thousands of homes, um, killed 30,000 plus people it is now, as far as I know, including 10, maybe 15,000 children, and they're being slaughtered. And those children are completely innocent. And so what Bob is doing, Bob Moran in the cartoon is doing, is drawing attention to this. But then, of course, now he's been accused of anti-Semitism, which I think is, is totally erroneous is not at all he is criticizing an individual person the head of state of this country that calls itself israel and what it's doing it's, uh, in gaza and and the massacre there and i think if you're more concerned about a cartoon and canceling a cartoon than concerned about the deaths of women children and innocent men as well in gaza um then there's something wrong with you there's something wrong with you know what you are reacting to uh, and that in a way indicates the very very strong programming and nudging and uh manipulation by psychological behavioral psychology units and and propaganda to get people to think and react in this way to a cartoon when they're not reacting to the slaughter of 10,000 children right and also there's a dangerous conflation there isn't there that if we criticize the Israeli government, then we automatically must be anti-Semitic. That is not uh, good for any of us, is it? Because obviously what that does is it completely closes down any debate. It enables them just to carry on at will, behaving exactly how they want. How do we overcome that? Because some, I mean, obviously some Jewish people definitely do feel that in England, all over the world, definitely do feel that they are under attack from what has taken place since October the 7th. Obviously it was going on way before that. We know that. But how do we uh, seek to reassure people that this isn't about anti-Semitism, but this is about criticism of a regime? You, well, there's a very interesting word you mentioned. You said in your in that sort of little seg section there. It's people feel that they're under attack, but just because people feel something, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are under attack. And what we have today is a whole culture and law being created around feelings and subjective feelings rather than objective reality. Now, if someone has committed a crime, a real crime, assault or murder or rape or um, fraud or criminal damage or vandalism, that's a real crime. But just people feeling as though that there's someone has said something that they don't like or there's something going on that makes them feel uncomfortable, that's not 
not a crime. And that happens all day, every day to millions and billions of people. So we have to distinguish that from what's actually happening. And the reality of the situation is, well, what happens in southern Israel with Hamas is terrible. What's happening in Gaza is terrible now. But the other thing there is that um, it's being as always portrayed as anti-Semitic. If you even hint at criticism of the state of Israel, which is completely wrong, and you know the point I made uh, on a discussion a couple of days ago is that the you've got this working definition of anti-Semitism now, which has been created by the International Holocaust Remembrance Association. Um, but this is unofficial. It's just a group that set up uh, about 10 years ago and made this definition. And, and then these 11 different points. Oh, if you, if you do this, you're anti-Semitic. If you say this, you're anti-Semitic. I can't remember all of the things on it, but, um, you know, it, they said it's not anti-Semitic to criticize Israel, but, you know, to to hold Israel to a different standard to other nations is anti-Semitic. But that's being used to smear anybody who criticizes Israel now, because right. even criticizing what they do is saying, oh, you're holding it to a higher standard when people are not. We're just saying stop killing people and cease fire. Right. Absolutely. These should not be unreasonable positions. Let me go to the comments. Hidden in plain sight says Bob Moran was sharp on what was happening years ago. He's always shown the truth. Hope and love and pieces is absolutely awful what's happening in Gaza. It's heartbreaking. It really is. Truly it is. Bob is a hero, says Chris. He stands for humanity. To oppose this shows a lack of humanity. David, do you not find it curious, though, that uh, people who were very vociferous during the COVID years about, you know, the censorship that we were dealing with, about our freedom of speech, have, have come out and are some of Bob's greatest dissenters. That's interesting, isn't it? Laura Dodsworth, for one example, obviously tagged the CPS the um, and the Metropolitan Police, clearly wanting charges or at least an investigation to take place. What are your thoughts on that? I think this is shocking. I, I really don't understand it, how people say that they're for freedom. She even wrote a book about, you know, freeing your mind or something. And, uh, you know, the, the state of fear about how the state was inculcating fear and therefore we were controlled to not say things. And then she's like uh, tagging the police and the CPS in, indicating that she would like Bob Moran to be arrested and dragged through the courts for drawing a cartoon. And, you know, th this exactly mirrors the people that we've been attacked by on the cultural Marxist far left for 10 years or more. You know, right. we, we, you know, how people would accuse me and others of being homophobic, transphobic, racist, anti-vaxxers, conspiracy theorists. But then when Bob does something which is just a cartoon, you have people who, who say they're for freedom then saying, oh, but this is anti-Semitic. We have to cancel him in exactly the same way that the cultural Marxists of the far left would cancel us. It doesn't make any sense. And you only think, well, there must be something inside them that's either, you know, a cognitive dissonance or, or perhaps, you know, they actually are in some way, you know, fulfilling a function um, in order to advance <laughs> the agenda of anti-Semitism. I mean, that I, is I, interesting. I, 
I mean, of course, you're just theorizing as as indeed you're allowed to. I believe we are still allowed opinions in this world, oddly enough. I mean, obviously not for much longer, but uh, at this moment in time, well, we well, we are, we should be able to say them. But the fact is, is, as I know, plenty of Jewish people who are extremely critical about what is going on in Israel. And again, we shouldn't conflate Zionism, obviously, the support of the Jewish state and all the problems that have clearly come as a consequence of that with Judaism. And so I, I think it, it, who is who is benefiting from muddling all this up, do you think? I mean, is it wider agendas? Because it is quite clear, isn't it, David, that media are largely on the side of the Israeli government as, as opposed to the Palestinian people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you say that there's Zionism and there's Judaism, the religion, but there's also the Jewish people. And, you know, there there are ethnic Jews who are who are neither practices of Judaism and also are neither practices of Zionism as well. But this does seem to support, in, in one sense, the, the state of Israel. Um, but in another sense, what's happening here in the agenda uh, against free speech, because what I can see happening is you've got this definition of anti-Semitism, which has been created that is voluntary that doesn't have the force of law but they're going around trying to get all kinds of institutions to sign up to it and then there's also a definition of islamophobia and then people are going around trying to get people to sign up to that and then this um homophobia and transphobia what i think the game plan here is in our country and in western countries is to get these voluntary definitions agreed to by enough people and enough organizations that then the government can say oh well everybody agrees to this or 90% of people agree to this and then they will write it into law and then these definitions will have the force of law and then you will be arrested and dragged through the courts if you oh. say something that somebody deems to be anti-Semitic. This looks like where it's going. It's a very slow game plan but I can see Absolutely that this Absolutely scary. I hear you. Listen David thank you so much for joining me this morning. Everybody this has been David Curtin. Thank you to all our wonderful guests. Thank you to you. Thank you to the team. This is today's news talk i will see you tomorrow on thursday take excellent excellent care of yourself and do not go away